Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Brother Joe, it's so good to have you tonight. Glory to God. Uh, We just thank you for your ministry. Come on up and and just uh, deliver your heart tonight, minister however the Lord would have you minister, and and uh, praise God, we're open, we're ready. Amen. Okay, all right, amen. Thank you. Sure good to be with you. Bless you too. Thrilled to be with you. Thank you so much. Well, praise the Lord. Good to see you tonight. Glad you came out on Sunday night, man. This is the deal coming on Sunday night. Praise the Lord. We're hungry, aren't we? Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to come. I know everyone's super busy, but there's something about putting him first, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, as some would do especially as you see the day approaching. And boy, with all the stuff going on, you can see the day approaching. Uh, we're so privileged. Uh, what a time of great joy, great strength, just wild. Uh, I love your church, man. Just being here this morning, I was telling uh, your pastors how it's hard not to just start preaching. There's so much utterance here, you just want to start screaming. And, and my daughter said to me, Dad, do you have to scream at everybody? Is it necessary? It's necessary. So, uh, especially when there's just complete utterance. And what it is, is heaven loves to show us Jesus. And uh, he, he'll be unveiled to us. He is high and lifted up. His train is filling the temple. He's glorious. And uh, what, what a season to, to get to know that here and then all of a sudden be there in his presence face to face. So, uh, you know, I don't know what the protocol is to the entrance or the introduction to a king because our, our society is different. But, boy, I know there's a, a, a wonderful opportunity coming so soon we'll stand before him. And, uh, and what, what, a, what a great day to be watching that uh, right in front of your eyes. You know, there's five things about end times that I did get into today. Five things. He doesn't want you troubled, doesn't want you deceived. He wants you happy, hopeful, and comforted. Those are the five points about end times, and none of them are bad news. They're all good news. Hallelujah. So blessed are we. So what we'll do tonight, we'll get into a few minutes of review of this morning, because I know that's a lot of information, but we'll do maybe about four or five minutes of that, and uh, something will always new will come up, because there's basically so much stuff that you don't get into about all the signs. And then we'll go further, and we'll just see how close we are to the coming of the Lord. So privileged. I believe we will, just as Pastor said, we'll, we'll look back at this season and go, man, we were that group right before he came back. So what a privilege. And you think of John the Baptist in the, at the beginning of, the, uh, of this dispensation. No one speaking from Malachi to Matthew, 400 years of silence. All of a sudden, John comes on the scene screaming, everybody repent. Like, who, who, who is this guy? What's up? Are you, are you a prophet? He said, no. They said, are you the prophet? He said, no, I'm a voice. Voice of one crying in the wilderness. And uh, Jesus said there hadn't been a greater prophet since him, there ever was, there will be. But the least in the kingdom of God has got more grace on them than John did. So just as he, one guy without a single miracle, yet he did no miracle, he woke that nation up because he was a voice uh, on fire for God. <laughs> and he got the nation ready. The believer's job in the, in, the, in the days that we live in right now, we don't thank God for the prophet's ministry, but the believer's to rise up and be a voice. I mean, we can be ordering a cheeseburger and large fries and large Diet Coke. Oh, by the way, the Lord's coming back. Hallelujah. You know, I was on a flight to Sweden uh, years ago, and uh, this lady goes, I just don't, the flight attendant, she goes, I just don't know what's going on. I said, I know exactly what's going on. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem's going back. Hebrew language restored. Went through all the things. She goes, oh, my God, go get this other flight attendant. Got that flight attendant. Tell them. Tell that flight attendant. Oh, my God, get the other flight attendant. We had eight flight attendants having a church service because the Bible's so specific about what you would see just before he comes. Why? He wants you to have a heads up. And that's exactly the words he said. Lift up your heads. Your redemption's drawing nigh. So don't be, don't be sad. Don't be freaked out. Because, I mean, the majority of people, there's a, a real fear that came within times. I mean, growing up as a kid, it was all the thief in the night, all the weird stuff. And you leave those movies and go, oh, my God, I'm not going to make it. But uh, we'll, let's look at the Bible that shows us uh, we'll make it. Hallelujah. Amen. And thank God the bad stuff. There is some weird stuff leading up to the tribulation, but we're not in the tribulation. So uh, it, we'll get into that tonight, showing how the rapture of the church takes place before that. Isn't it wonderful that we get to go up to meet him in the air? And then, uh, you know, we go to the reward seat of Christ. We call it the judgment seat of Christ, but that's a mistranslation. The Greek word is bima, means reward seat. And uh, we're going to come back with the Lord. First, we'll go to horse flying school because we're going to get on white horses and come back. I mean, how crazy is that that we're going to be airborne from heaven coming down to earth with this beacon of light coming out of Jesus' face that's going to light up the universe? Wow. Man, oh man, it'll be a day that's not known to man, neither night nor day, but there's going to be a radiance like you've never seen before. 
the entrance of the king, and all creation will bow in adoration. So we're, we're watching the setup of the nations for this. So we're super, super privileged. So let's get into it tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We're, we're so grateful for what you've given this church to do over the years. We thank you for this season, for this church, Lord, a, a season of ease, a season of overflow, a season of the glory of God. We thank you for great utterance from this place. Amplify your voice from this location, Lord. We thank you for it. And Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for truths. And insight into your wonderful plan. Help us, Holy Spirit. See Jesus high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. Uh, we, we see you as king. We see you as God. We see you as redeemer. We see you resurrected, alive and well. That you overcame death, hell, and the grave. So help us uh, uh, walk in the full measure of everything you gave us 2,000 years ago. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. This is a real time to, to regather or rekindling your thoughts on the name of Jesus, a time to re, rekindle yourself in the authority that you have in the Word of God and just basic faith. I know sometimes it, it seems to some people it might seem boring. I like what John Osteen says, you can tell when you've gotten hold of a verse when you want to hear it over and over and over again because it's alive to you. You know, it's just, just like having a steak. You don't go, well, I'm not going to have another steak. I've had one. No, you, you have more because they're good. So grab your Bibles there and turn to Luke 21, and we'll get into a few minutes of review, and, and we'll see if, if I can keep myself from screaming, okay? We'll try to subdue the screaming to a minimum. We don't want to scare the neighbors. Hallelujah. Amen. Luke 21, verse 24, and let's do a few minutes of review on the signs this morning. Luke 21, verse 24, he says in verse 24, "...they'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations." And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I mean, as radical as that is, tying timing to a city being won back, uh, that's pretty amazing. Remember the Bible says Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. It's just like Lucifer to want that location where Jesus is going to reign. He wants that spot. I didn't talk about it, but Turkey, uh, about eight times this last year, the president of Turkey said, we will take Islam and, asc- and ascend to the Temple Mount and take Jerusalem uh, from Israel because <laughs> they want that location. It's always in them to go back to Jerusalem and take the Temple Mount because that's Lucifer's thought pattern to get that piece of real estate. So, so Jesus said, hey, when you see it one back, you can tell that you're dealing with the end of this deal. And we saw that in 1967. Many more miracles happened than one I talk about this morning. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Wonderful things happened uh, to make that happen exactly 50 years from 1917 when Allenby went into Jerusalem. So go down a little further, go down to verse 29. He's going to give us a parable. Now what's the parable for? To make what he had just said make more sense to us. That's what a parable's for. So watch him say some things in this parable that's flawlessly clear to see how close we are. He says in verse 29, he said, Look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel. That'll be your timepiece. Why, why would you wear a watch? So you'll, it'll be your timepiece so you don't miss an appointment. You'll be where you're supposed to be on time. And we didn't talk about it, but in the Old Testament, they had a timepiece, Methuselah. Remember his name meant when, when he's dead, uh, we're all dead. How'd you like to have a name like that? Oh, by the way, when I die, you're going to die too. That, that's kind of weird. You go to meet him and go, oh, by the way, when I die, you're toast as well. Well, I would have been feeding him. How are you doing? Have you got a cold? Are you doing all right? You got food? But you know what? Methuselah, the longest living man ever. And what happened the year that Methuselah died? The flood came. He was a walking marker for them to go, wow, he's getting pretty old. I believe he was 900-something years old, so uh, we know there's a change coming soon. If you're paying attention, you could tell by Methuselah getting that old that, wow, something's coming. So here he ties things to Israel. Look at, at Israel. So they were regathered in our lifetime. The fig tree budded. So then he says the next verse there in verse 30, When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, in the same manner, when you see these things come to pass, run for the woods and freak out. No. He said... When you see these things come to pass, know. Now, what does knowing bring? Boldness. He said, you could know this, not wonder, not sense. He said, when you see these things, you can know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Then he said, verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. So he, he tied things to Jerusalem being won back and Israel being regathered as a nation that, hey, the group that sees that, you're the group he's coming. So I've heard people try so hard to not make it us. Well, how long is a generation? Well, in the old covenant, it was about 40 years. Uh, what it is now is the lifespan of a man. But if you want to be really technical, in Matthew, the Bible says these are the generations from Adam to Jesus. And it was 55 years. However 
you do the math, it's us. <laughs> so I'm not looking for reasons not to obey God. I'm looking for reasons to obey God. So he shows us this, and he says, Heaven and earth will be altered, but my words won't be altered. And then in verse 34, he says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Listen, with surfeiting, drunkenness, cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unaware. So you can be living when the two biggest signs happen, and you're so preoccupied that you don't even comprehend it. The Message Bible says, Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping. I mean, we live in such a... I didn't say that. I'm quoting the Message Bible. Come on. So we, we live in such a, a consumer society that we're so busy that, that you could be living when these are all happening. Most of the world has no idea that, that God's about to come to the planet. So he, he tells us things to look at to make it super clear. So we went through them this morning. We'll buzz through them real quick because we've got uh, more to get into tonight. So you've got, you got Israel regathered. You've got Jerusalem won back. Then you got the Hebrew language restored. How amazing that God said, I'll do this, done it. You go down the list, many things. Then you got the, the, the land being so productive, the fertility of the land of Israel, amazing. You've got the revival of the Roman Empire. I mean, if you, if you Googled the Capitol building like I talked about this morning, it's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. If you Google that, you should have homework. Google that tonight when you get home. It'll freak you out. And they built it to just be like that system coming back. So that's pretty radical in our lifetime to, to watch that be unveiled to us. So then, uh, you know, the, the Ethiopian Jews, that's a pretty big deal uh, to have them brought back in one day. An American man paid $30 million to bring them back. He was known for being a drug smuggler, running from the law, for, from America. He did that one good deed for the Jews, and our country pardoned him. It's amazing how if you'll do things for the Lord's people, you'll be blessed. Amen. So all these tangible physical things. Then you had the, the predatory birds. How crazy is that? 172 different species. A predatory birds start showing up in the land. I love the look on that lady's face. The ornithologist said, we don't understand it because they've been regathered. Why? Because God said that they would clean the land up. So the cleanup crew's there. Pretty amazing. And then the Temple Mount Institute, pretty cool to see them in position. Many more things about it, but you know the red heifer. They've had some red heifers born in the last few years on the land, but with inspection, they would see that they're not flawless. So they have to be flawless. They're inspecting the one right now. So all these tangible things that you look at to show us, man, these guys are all ready for what's next. How are we thinking? If they could all be in position, Russia being positioned, Russia took Crimea, uh, Russia came down into Syria. So why? Because right after the rapture, Russia's going to come down on Israel. And then this is pretty why it's easy to see that the Ezekiel 38 war happens after the rapture. It's pretty cool. God intervenes and protects Israel. In this dispensation, now hang with me, Germany killed 6 million Jews and prospered. Because God's not mad at anybody right now. Well, that goes over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. All right. Start the car. I'll be right there. No, it freaks people out. But see, it's because God's not mad at anybody. This is a dispensation of grace. But see, he's going to take the church off the earth. And when Russia comes down on Israel, God's going to play rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. I mean, it's going to be 82% of Russia's toast so that the heathen may know that he's God. So see, it goes back to Old Covenant time, and it's a very outward time. In this dispensation, we go preach the Word. He confirms the Word with signs following. It's pretty low-key compared to that seven-year period. It's going to be just like Pharaoh and Moses. There's going to be so much working of miracles happening to get people's hearts that are so hardened, softened up to accept Jesus as their Messiah. So you're watching all of the development of these pieces come together because Jesus is about to come. One thing after another, build upon it, it's the wow, 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 wow. It's blatant, it's obvious the Lord's coming back. So there's many more signs. Men will be lovers themselves. That's pretty radical. We have selfie sticks. We take pictures of ourselves more than ever before. That goes over real good as well, praise the Lord. <laughs> And then you had the signals. You had the blood-red moons. It's pretty crazy to have blood-red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. And then you had the Bethlehem star. Then you had, I didn't talk about it, but you had Mercury do a flyby of the sun. Went down directly over the Temple Mount, the coordinates for the Temple Mount. The planets formed a sickle. The moon formed a sickle. Orion changed his instrument to hammer. So you had hammer and sickle on the same day. And uh, that's Russia's symbol. God's trying to show them you're getting ready to go through the threshing floor. So that whole seven-year period, don't get mad at me, but the book of Revelation is pretty much the left-behind book for the Jews. You know, they're going to go to that book and go, okay, this seal's going to get open, this is going to get open, this next is this next. They'll know exactly what's going to happen one after another in, in flawless order. 
So it'll be an amazing thing that happens after we're caught up and raptured. Uh, 144,000 Jewish evangelists are going to be raised up, and they're going to go out and evangelize and have a massive harvest. So these are days of great harvest. The church gets double of what the early church has, according to James 5. And then all of a sudden we hand off, just like Enoch <laughs> handed off to Noah, Elijah handed off to Elisha, Jesus handed off to the church, the church is going to hand off to the Jews. We have a portion to play, but then God's going to use them for a while. So it's just wonderful. It's amazing how every group gets to be utilized and used. So what a time to be on the earth that great change is coming. Great change. Many more things you could get into. If you talked about the different things about Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and you talked about the things with Iran especially. I didn't get into it this morning, but I want to get somewhere tonight. Uh, Israel has taken out missile uh, batteries that keep being shipped from Iran down to uh, Lebanon almost every day two to three weeks ago. Every single day, Israeli fighter planes were bombing Iranian targets that had missiles that were set up to be fired at Israel. So Israel's having to do that to keep Iran from trying to annihilate it. I mean, they're they're just nuts because we were talking about today. They don't even hide it. They go, we want to wipe Israel off the map. They are the rabid dog of the Middle East, the leader of Iran said. So, so you see that mentality, so Israel has to protect itself, and everything you're watching is all the setup for the compression of the Antichrist coming on the scene, because the Antichrist, this is crazy, he's going to basically do everything that Iran wants to do, he's going to say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, that we know what that is, that's the devil, and, and Jesus is going to come back with their Messiah and say that he's not God, and he's going to try to kill all the Christians and all the Jews. Who does that sound like? The Antichrist. You know, I don't have any shocking pictures of the Antichrist. <laughs> you know, on TV, you listen to those preachers, the most shocking photographs of the Antichrist. Isn't it wonderful that he can't be revealed until we depart? And that's what we'll get into tonight. We'll get into the next uh, uh, thing on God's plan or his calendar. Grab your Bibles there and turn to First Thessalonians. And let's pick up with some things tonight that show us uh, great joy and great hope. And that is the, the rapture of the church. We know that we're going to be caught up. We're going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, what's wonderful, the stain of Adam is about to be taken off of us. That, isn't that wonderful? This mortal is going to put on immortality. Man, I'm ready. I'm so excited about my glorified body. Think about it. Uh, my weight is perfect, but my height is not perfect. If I was 6'4", everything would be perfect. <laughs> but man, we're going to get us a brand new body, never gain weight again, never get tired again. Come on. If you can't shout about anything, shout about that. <laughs> Never getting tired, never gaining weight. Come on. So we'll get into all that. That's coming. So Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he gives us information about the rapture. But leading up to that, he was with them in two, for two weeks. If you get into 2 Thessalonians, he said, Don't you remember while I was with you, I taught you these things? What did he teach you on those two weeks he was with them? The rapture, the second coming, and he talked about the Antichrist. Now, now, why did he have to deal with that? Because they thought Nero was the Antichrist. He was killing so many Christians. They're like, don't worry. He's not the Antichrist. He can't even be revealed until you exit. You're keeping him at bay because you're the Christ. And he's the Antichrist. You can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. So with all that in mind, he's going to tell them something that's joyful, hopeful, and going to bring them comfort. So what's he talk about? The catching away of the saints. Why is that a good thing? You don't have to be here during the tribulation. Now I hear people go, well, that's just an escape theology. No, it's called a Bible theology that you have somewhere you're supposed to be and not be on the earth. Because that seven years is not for you, it's for Israel. And we, you've seen many times from the book of Daniel, that's for, for Jerusalem and for the holy people, the Jews. So that compression is to get them to accept Jesus. So let's go look at this. Look at the First Thessalonians chapter 4. I know you know the verses so well, but let's run through it. It's healthy to go back through it. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse uh, 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord's. So he says, wherefore, scare one another with these words. No, he's saying, I'm telling you this to bring you comfort. And we know that word comfort, there's a word exhort. It means to call 
nearer to God. So the closer you get to the, the change that's coming, the closer you want to be to him. It would be, it'd be kind of weird to get married and never talk to your bride for six months before, before you got married. Wouldn't that be weird? I know we're getting married, but I can't talk to you. That'd be weird. No, see, he wants your relationship white hot, strong. Okay? So we know this event, it's been t- taught so many weird ways, so we're going to look at a, a bunch of different things. I've heard people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, it's the word harpazo. It means to be snatched or to be taken or to be caught up. But the Latin word is raptur, so that word rapture. Just like <laughs> Enoch walked with God, rapture. Elijah walked with God, rapture. Don't you love it? They told Elisha, uh, the sons of the prophets said, don't you know your master is going to be taken from you today? He goes, yeah, I know it. Shut up. So he knew the day Elijah was going to go up. <laughs> Don't you love that? The people are always wanting to point out stuff that's not really going to help, but uh, he's leaving today, going to be taken today. And you know, and that's what Elijah said to Elisha. He said, hey, if you see me when I go, if you see me when I'm raptured, it will be so. You'll get that double portion. You know, he took the mantle over to the Jordan and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Wow. That'll be cool to see a video of that. Won't, it? Won't that be wonderful? Take that mantle right over there. So just as Elijah handed off to Elisha, we're about to hand off to the Jews. So amazing, he was caught up. That's a rapture. And think about Lot. Lot's a wonderful example for us about the rapture. The angels told Lot, we can't do anything here till we get the righteous out. Because God doesn't judge the unrighteous with the righteous. So he's taking the righteous off the earth. And if you look at, at, at wars, I mean, Israel did this this last year. They uh, took their ambassadors out of Turkey before anybody. The ambassadors are always the first to be evacuated out of a country. So we're about to be evacuated off the planet because it's not really for us. It's for the Jews. And what a wonderful event that's going to be. So, Now, the rapture of the church is not an ending. It's a beginning. We were talking about that at lunch today. You know, people think, well, I got so much in my heart. I don't want the Lord to come back. Well, it's because you're not done. You're tasting of the powers of the world to come. Now, during the, during, the, during the millennial reign of Christ, you're going to be walking with God. You're going to be raising people up. Natural-bodied saints that maybe they, maybe they fall, they're changing a light bulb, they fall and break their neck. You've already seen it in a vision. That's called a word of wisdom. You walk through the wall, and you go rise, take up your bed, and walk. You go, it's a good thing you lived during the millennium, and you raise them up because it's in you to raise people up. Chew on that for a few minutes. See, you're tasting that right now, but you're not having the fulfillment of it. That's why we're agitated. We want more because there's more to come. You have a thousand years of overseeing natural people. <laughs> right now, you're, well, there's a lot I just said. Hang with me. <laughs> Here we go. You're, you're writing your resume for what you're going to be doing during the millennium. If you're faithful over so much, you rule over ten cities, rule over two cities. I just don't want to have a weed eater during the millennium. There's Brother Joe. No, I, I want to be ruling and reigning. You know, there, there's him doing his job. Got that weed eater going to town. Come on. Here we go. No, I don't want that. So, so Paul makes it super clear here. There's a change coming. And the purpose is you need a different body. This mortal has to put on immortality. I mean, you think of it in the Old Testament. You had cherubim. You had seraphim. The seraphim had six wings. Two wings that covered their face. Two wings that covered their feet. And two wings that they fly with. Think about it. You're created to be at the throne. You circle the throne. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. You're going to hear that a lot. The whole earth is full of His glory. But yet they still have to shield themselves from His glory. They're created to be at the throne and still can't handle His brilliance. Well, God's going to get us a brand new body where we can walk in and talk to Dad. Wouldn't it be weird? You go in and talk to your dad and can't see for two weeks? That'd be weird. So we're going to get us some, some, a new body so we can walk in and talk to our Father. It doesn't freak our body out. In the Old Covenant, in Exodus 19, said, Put a fence around the mountain lest they even get near to me and gaze. Not because God's mad at them. He's just so pure and holy. And they weren't pure and holy. And if they just looked at them, it'd fry them. So we're going to get a body that can handle that kind of radiance. And it's going to be changed. We're going to be altered. Hallelujah. Won't won't that be fun? I mean, you think about it. The shortest amount of time that can't be divided. He's going to say, come up hither. Come up to the throne of God. And we're we're going to rock it out of here. Instantly be in heaven. Hallelujah. He's able to subdue even all things unto himself. Think how powerful he is that that in his word, all of our bodies are recreated. And everyone that's born again from time beginning, all of a sudden they're going to be reunited with their body. That's how powerful he is. Wow. Glory to God. New body time. Come on. Glory to God. All right, so let's talk about this for a minute. Let's, let's always go to the Scripture. You know, because people, we'll, we'll get into more about the rapture, but people get so messed up about the rapture, about qualifications. The rapture is not about us. It's about Him. He's coming back for His body. 
We want to make it about us. Am I cool enough? Am I holy enough? His blood's what makes you holy. You can't do anything to make yourself cool. You know, because I've got friends, they'll have a miracle, you know, and they start walking like Barney Fife. They start going like this. Oh, yeah, had a miracle last week, and they start going like this, you know. And <laughs> it's going to be different for the rapture. You'll see that you didn't do anything to qualify other than his blood. Look at it, and then we'll get back to the body part. Go back to verse 14. He's going to give you the qualifications for the rapture. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I know this uh, makes some people mad, but the requirement to go up in the rapture is to be in the body of Christ. So so you're in. I mean, you, you, you might be... Amen. Exactly. So, you know, I watched the preachers the last six months talk about eight reasons why the church is not going up. And he used words from the Gospels that were talking about Jewish men that were not born again. See, I walk into a church and someone goes, man, I feel like I'm going to miss the rapture if I drink the wrong cup of coffee. I said, well, you sure have a weak strain of the blood of Jesus. The strain I got made me perfect. Now you say, well, that sounds arrogant. Well, it's not arrogant. I honor my king. He died for me. Come on. That blood was so powerful, it recreated me. Come on. I was buried with him in baptism, and I was raised with him. Come on. So whether I feel like it or not, I'm holy. Whether I look like it or not, I'm holy. He made me spotless. So he's going to come back for a certain species, and at the rapture, he's coming back for the species of the body of Christ. So you can look at the scripture and see what our bodies are going to be like. It's so easy. It's not weird. I love the part. Remember, how cool is Jesus that he's walking with the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus? Remember that? And they didn't know who he was. I love that kind of stuff. So he's beholden to who they are, and they don't know who he is. And the first thing he said to them, why are you guys sad? He goes, well, if you, if you lived around here, they crucified my Lord, our Lord. And the Bible says he would have kept right on walking. They constrained him to stay for dinner. He stayed for dinner, and he took them through the Word. He showed them uh, the Christ throughout the Old Covenant. Isn't that something? Jesus in their presence. And I would have gone, losers, I told you this was going to happen. You didn't pay attention. But he didn't do that. He's so sweet. He took them through the Word. I mean, think about that. He's physically in their presence and wanted to show them in the Word. Physically in their presence, he took them through the Scripture and unveiled Christ to them. And all of a sudden, he broke bread and disappeared. And they said, oh, wow, here we go. That was him. Did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? I guess so. You talk about a resurrection lesson right there from the king. Come on. Well, you know, they went back and told their buddies, we saw him. We broke bread with him. He disappeared. They go, no, you didn't. What? No, no, we, we did. He was right there in front of us. Poof, he's gone. No, we did. I, I don't believe it. In fact, I don't believe it so much. I won't believe it until I put my finger in the holes in his side, put my finger in the holes in his hand. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas, reach hither your hand. Now, don't you love that? Jesus knows every word you say. He goes, Thomas, reach hither your hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faceless, but believing. And they freaked out. He's a spirit because he just walked through the wall. That's kind of cool. He walks through the wall and he goes, no, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see I have. So look how normal your glorified body is going to be. What's the first thing Jesus said to them? Do you have any meat? He didn't say, do you have any kale? He didn't say, do you have any broccoli? He didn't say, do you have any salad? First thing he said is, where's the beef? Amen. In a glorified body, he said, Where, do you have any meat? So, so it's normal, because we have this tendency to think that we're going to be playing harps and floating for a thousand years. If that was true, we'd be in harp class right now. I mean, what, what are you guys doing tonight? Well, harp class again. No, that'd be so boring. I mean, it, and obviously we're going to worship God for a thousand years, but we'll have duties. You're not done. The rapture's not an ending. It's a beginning. So we get this change, this great change coming. Hallelujah. What a wonderful event to all of a sudden be altered this, uh, we've, we've borne the image of the earthy. We're going to bear the image of the heavenly. Wow. Glory to God. Bear the image of the heavenly. So we see what that will be like. We can walk through walls. We can be handled. And we still have an appetite. So we're not weird, not ethereal. So, so great changes are coming, man. You'll never, you'll never say these words again, I'm tired. You'll never say the words, I'm bored. I mean, how cool is that going to be? So, so what, what a time. I mean, the amazing thing about this, it's not like 500 years from now. This is like we're in the season of the coming of the Lord. This is it. So let's talk about a few things about it. There's so many different things you can get into. But I want to I go into some of the, the little things about the rapture that we didn't hear a lot about. And that is, you know, you can't find rapture in the Gospels, but you can find one little hidden reference. It's amazing how there's little bitty references here and there. And the one main reference is so good about timing. 
And that's John 14. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He goes, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And he said, If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Well, that was basically a Jewish wedding proposal. And you know what? Uh, dudes don't, don't ask dudes to marry them, okay? Used to, they did anyway. So, so when Jesus said that to them, they thought he just proposed to us. How weird is that? So I'm sure they thought, you know, here we go. I knew it was coming. He just lost his mind, you know, because here he just, he basically said, will you marry me? And in the Jewish tradition, a man would become betrothed with a woman. They would be engaged. The man would go back to the father's house. The father would oversee the building of a honeymoon suite for the son. And the son wouldn't know when the room was going to be ready until the father told him. Okay? So I interviewed lady after lady after lady after lady after lady in Israel to make sure I hadn't lost my mind. I would ask him, I'd say, well, would you kind of know when he was coming? She said, well, of course we'd know. I said, how close would you know that he's going to come? Because what would happen was when the, when the father would tell the son the room's ready, the son would run with a shout, and she would come out to meet him. That's a picture of the rapture of the church. So I would tell these ladies, how would you know? She goes, we'd know almost of the day. I go, how would you know almost of the day? She goes, word would come to us, the room is almost done. She goes, we don't want to spend $500 on perfume and it's six more months. They're extremely cautious about how they, they don't want to waste anything. So I go, well, how would word get there? I said, word would come to us, the room's almost ready. Just like word's coming to us right now, the fullness of the Gentiles is pretty much in. And you've got all the signs of the second coming, much less the rapture. So we're very, very close. And they knew if the family didn't have a lot of money, it was going to be a small room. If the family had a lot of money, it was going to be a large room. But they would know almost to the day. And this is the part that we haven't been taught correctly, and we'll get into that for a little bit because it's so cool, the timing of it. I can't tell you exactly when the rapture is going to be, but I can give you some thought patterns about it, and I'm not dogmatic about it. The fulfillment of feasts are probably the easiest way to see how close it will be. You know, in the Old Covenant, what were the festivals? We used to call them Jewish festivals. They're not Jewish festivals. They're festivals of the Lord. What were they for? They were dress rehearsals uh, for the real. So what did you have? Remember the, the, the Passover lamb? So what happened? Jesus went to the cross flawlessly on Passover. Remember John said, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How amazing that Jesus went on the cross on the day of Passover. Wow. Pretty wild. Completely fulfilling the feast. What's the next feast? Unleavened bread. All right. Jesus was taken off the cross and buried on the feast of unleavened bread. Flawless. Well, usually they were on the cross longer to be a spectacle not to break the law, but Jesus had a feast to keep. So he goes to the cross on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. Remember, the unleavened bread, they would take three pieces of bread, the middle piece, they would fold it, they would pierce it, and they would break it. He said, I am the bread of life. <laughs> Born in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? Home of the bread. The Palestinians moved their headquarters from Ramallah to Bethlehem, the birthplace of God. So Jesus goes to the cross on Passover, flawless, Buried on unleavened bread, flawless. What's the next feast? First fruits. What happened on first fruits? Jesus is raised from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. So he fulfilled these flawlessly that it proves he's the Messiah. All right, what's the next feast to be fulfilled? Pentecost. Fifty days from the resurrection, what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out flawlessly on Pentecost. Feast of harvest. All right, what's the next feast? Feast of trumpets. Now, uh, we know that's a feast of gathering. So hang with me just a little bit. This is where it's not complex, but it's really, really, really cool. You hear people go, oh, that day and that hour, nobody knows. He was telling them, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. We never were taught that. I was never taught that. But basically what he was saying to them, I'm giving you code for when I'm coming back. Why? The Feast of Trumpets was during a three-day period... It was on the new moon. It's on the 29.5th day of the month. So that's why when Jesus said at that day and that hour, you don't know, you didn't know if it was the 29th or the 30th. The Sanhedrin would send two witnesses out to see if it was a new moon, and they would declare it to be the Feast of Trumpets. So when Jesus said, I'm coming, uh, you, nobody knows when I'm coming, he was basically telling them, I'm coming for you on Feast of Trumpets. The very thing that we use to not know when the Lord's coming back, he was going, I'm telling you when I'm coming back. You know, and I'm not dogmatic about it, because uh, how many of you know the exact day of the Feast of Trumpets this fall? Raise your hand if you know it. See, mo most people don't know it. I'll tell you when it is, September 18th. Man, for years, every September, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a wave offering from the 18th to the 19th to the 20th. It's different every year, but I'm paying strict attention because I believe the rapture will be on one of those three days. You say, well, if you knew that, you knew which day it was. No, you don't know which day it is, but you kind of have a window of when it will be. I'm not dogmatic about that, but God's pretty flawless about that. 
Because what it means is, it's the beginning of seven days of awe, mirroring the seven years of tribulation. Also, it's the beginning of a coronation of a king. We go to the private ceremony, and Jesus is going to be revealed at the public ceremony to the earth. So there's many things about the Feast of Trumpets that we just weren't taught that are so much about the coming of the Lord. That's why we talked about this morning. The president's name is Trump, vice president's name is Pence, Trump Pence. I mean, that means the coming of the Lord. So we're so blessed. And I'm not really weird about it, but uh, it'll be cool to see if it happens then. Because this is another thought pattern. Well, this is a lot to get into, but hang with me. Everybody with me for a minute? Enoch was born on Pentecost, (laughs) raptured on Pentecost. The law was given on Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost. So just like the church started on Pentecost, it could finish on Pentecost. So every Feast of Trumpets, I'm paying attention, and every Pentecost, I'm paying attention. (laughs) Because I'm saying, Lord, I love you. Praise the Lord. But you know what? We're, we're going to go up. We're going to be caught up. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. All of a sudden, the Bible says the voice of the archangel. Remember the devil argued over the body of Moses like Lucifer said, okay, he's on my territory. This has been legally given to me. He argued over his body and all the, 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 the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. All of a sudden, Jesus is going to come out of, the, out of heaven and there's going to be a trumpet sound and at his voice, he's going to call the church and we'll be caught up. We'll be changed forever. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, come on. This mortal is going to put on immortality, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that archangel is going to go, the Lord rebuke you, and the greatest change for our lives, other than getting saved, is about to happen. We're going to be raptured. Think about all the loved ones that have gone home to be with the Lord, that we have this wonderful, wonderful reunion coming. Glory to God. All of a sudden, we get to regather and meet them in the air. I don't know if we'll be able to talk to each other as we go up, but it's going to, we're going to be smiling. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's talk about one other thing before we get to Daniel. We're going to go turn over there to Daniel, but let's talk about something else before we get there. Go to Daniel chapter 9, and these are verses that I know you know, but these are probably hmm, the most exact, precise verses in the Bible showing the timing of God. But let's talk about another appointment for just a few minutes, because this is probably the most important thing we talk about as we get into the rapture of the church. You know, um, there was another minister that got killed years ago in a car wreck, and he was brought back to life. Actually, he came alive in the morgue. He'd been dead for four days. How'd you like to be working in the morgue? So all of a sudden, a guy wakes up. That, man, that's a freak-out moment right there. Uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he had a book about being in heaven. And he said, you know, all of a sudden, he's in heaven. He saw the sun come up. He thought, oh, wow, how cool, a sunrise. I hadn't even thought about a sunrise in heaven. It was Jesus walking up over the hill. I mean, so we, we, we've got so many wonderful things coming to see how awesome he is. But this is what I want to talk about for a couple of minutes. Your next appointment right after the rapture is called the reward seat of Christ. We've preached at the judgment seat of Christ, but that's a mistranslation. It is the judgment seat, but it's the word bema, B-E-M-A. It's the Greek word reward seat. Just like in the Olympics, <laughs> have you ever seen somebody in the Olympics, they train real hard, they train, 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 maybe a Russian deadlifter, you know, he's, he's lifting all his weight, and he wins the gold medal, and he goes, oh, I, I can't go get the medal, I don't want to go up on the judgment seat, I'm too scared. Because most people think of it as a scary judgment. Well, well, Olympians don't think of it as scary to go get their medal. They go up on that podium called the bema. Where do they get that from? The Bible, and they get rewarded for, for, for their efforts. All of a sudden, fire's going to hit your life. Your sin will not be judged. Sin was laid on Jesus. But fire's going to examine your life, the motives of your heart. Why did you do what you did? It's all about your works. Did you do things for the Lord because you love Him, or did you do things to be seen of man? So the things that are seen of man will be toast right there. Fire's going to hit it. Wood, hay, and stubble. You don't want a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. You want gold, silver, and precious stones. You don't want a bonfire at the reward seat. You don't want people going, did you, did you see that fire? It's not going to be good when the angels go, everybody back up. No. You don't want people not nudging each other. I ain't seen a fire like that in all my life. Oh, my God. No, no. You want a small fire, okay? You, you, what's gold, silver, and precious stones? See, that's all below the ground. Wood, hay, and stubble is all above the ground. It's what people see you do. You probably won't get rewarded for It's the hidden things of the heart, the motive of the heart. Isn't that cool? He wants to judge you and bless you even based on your motives. Your motives is to be a blessing to, to honor the Lord. Amen. So fire is going to hit your life, and gold is your devotional life. How much you tell the Lord you love Him? Not necessarily, my name's Jimmy, I'll take all you give me, but Lord, I love you. Your, your devotion is, is seen by all. I see your devotional life by you being here on Sunday night. See, your your devotional life preaches for you, communicates for you. If you really love him, you'll want to do things for him. (laughs) What is silver? The Bible says the tongue of the just is choice silver. So you want 
You want some gold? You want some silver? Why? You will adorn yourself in your faithfulness. What will happen after you go through the reward seat of Christ? You'll be robed in your faithfulness. You'll have robes with contrasting stitches. See how there's white stitching with blue there? Your robe's going to have different stitching showing that you came to church on Sunday nights, that you came to church on Wednesday nights, that you did this, you worked with the kids, you cleaned. There's going to be little things, little trinkets on your robe. You're going to go, you will go, check that out. Kind of a little bit of, oh yeah, right there. Look at that tassel right there. That's because I did this. That's because I did this. No, your, your uniform will preach for you just like in the military. I've never seen a general go, check it out, four stars. Yep, that's me right there. Look at it. No. <laughs> I've never seen a general make a big deal about the badges of valor that he carries. Good Lord, when you see people on TV that have four stars, they got so many badges of valor. It's called fruit. They don't have to tell anybody their uniform preaches for them. You don't want to be walking around in the millennium in a Speedo bathing suit. You don't want people, aha, did nothing during the church age. <laughs> now, now, when you see John Wesley, you won't be mad. You won't go, you know, you, know, you won't go, wow, I wish I had a robe like that. You go, wow, he did the will of God. He said, give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. He said, let God set you on fire, and people will come watch you burn. I have a fire pack on my book table. <laughs> I think the sticker's gone, but it says guaranteed to set you on fire. Why? I put matches in there. So if the word doesn't get you, you can set yourself on fire. Amen. <laughs> no, he, he, this reward seat is talking about your life preaching for you. The Bible says the day will declare it. What you've done for the Lord will preach for you at that moment at the reward seat of Christ. And what's a wonderful thing is every time you do something unselfish, every time you do something with the right motive, anytime you open the door for somebody, be a blessing to somebody, you think nobody saw it, he saw it. And he wants to bless you. You know, I think of my dad. My, my mom was a crazy word lady. You know, she got into the word, I mean, wholehearted in 1970s. She'd have confession packs with her. And we'd go water skiing. I'm like, Mom, we're water skiing. What are, you, what are you talking about? I mean, crazy word lady. Before she got a hold of the word, she was afraid of everything. If I, you know, if I got near a, an outlet, electrical outlet, don't touch that outlet. It'll fry you and blow you up right there. You'll explode right there in front of everybody. Mom, uh, it's just an electrical outlet. I mean, she was just kind of had dominated by fear. She so got a hold of the word... That I remember I had a wreck on my bicycle. I flew off this jump and split my face wide open. I was about eight years old. I was coming down the driveway, and of course, we were crazy. We built these ramps. And so I cut my face wide open. My cut went all the way up into my nose. I walked back into the house. My lips are flapping everywhere. I'm bleeding everywhere. My sister's playing the piano. She screams, ah! And I walk up to my mom, and my mom goes, don't bleed on the carpet. We got prayer meeting tonight. She, she didn't care if I bled, just don't bleed here because company's coming. Okay? Now why? She knew there was nothing that happened to me Jesus couldn't fix. So, so just her, her own life, I guarantee you she had a triumphant entrance. But now my dad mocked God, cursed God, took me to bars. He said, that religion of your mom will wear off. So at the reward seat, listen, my dad got born again. He had a stroke, went home right there. I walked in intensive care, got him saved. He went home to be with the Lord. He's going to have some skimpy outfits on during the millennium. I'm going I'm, I'm to be throwing robes at my dad because he got saved and went home to be with the Lord. Never got to do anything for the Lord. So I think about my mom will have all these robes and have all this stuff on her and you're going to have badges in your house when you get to heaven. There'll be badges as you walk in. You'll, there'll be little stickers on it just like children's church. You'll go, oh, wow, I went to church then, went to church then. He wants to bless you. That's the most important thing that's getting ready to happen. Yes, the rapture's a big deal, but the thing that happens just after the rapture is your life will preach for you. You remember that one preacher that was in South Africa years ago? He'd been over there starting 500 some odd churches. He'd been away from his family, you know, for months, you know. He's coming back, taking a boat from Africa back to America. Comes into the harbor there in Miami. And there was an actor on the boat that had been uh, doing a, a safari. And there's a huge ticker tape type parade for him and a party for him with a jazz band. Huge paper back then, you know, in the 20s. And a huge big deal for that actor that had been on safari. And the preacher goes, you know, I've been away from my family, went away from my kids all these months, been doing all this work for you, Lord. How come there's no one to meet me here? And the Lord says, because you're not home yet. So we're blessed now, but we're not home yet. There's coming a time that you're going to be caught up, and you're going to get to go to that place called that, 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 that beam of the reward seat. And just think every bad thing that you ever did with the wrong motive is going to be toast right there. Amen. Won't that be wonderful? But you don't want a lot of toast. Hallelujah. <laughs> they take you, you found Daniel? If you hadn't found it, you might want to get some help. Here we go. Come on. All right. So look at Daniel 9. Now, I know you know this, but this shows us the flawlessness of the, of the rapture and the tribulation period and the order of them. 
And let's get into it for just a couple minutes. We won't go long, but it is so good. Daniel chapter 9. It seems boring, but it's really not. It's probably the most flawless verses here in a minute. We'll get to it. Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, which was the son of whatever that is, over the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. He goes, well, I'm smart enough to find out what's going on. I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel's like, okay, we're in jail for 70 years. What's up? Let's find out why we're in captivity. So Daniel was smart enough to go back and find out why. What, what was the deal? Why did they go into captivity? They were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Okay. He said, you'll be so blessed at the end of six, you'll have a whole seventh year. That's just a mirror of the millennial reign of Christ, a thousand years of Jesus' reign. So he said, go six years, don't plant on that sixth year, and he'll carry you into the seventh. Don't plant on that seventh year, but you'll be so blessed in the sixth that he'll carry you over. Guess how long they fudged and started planting on the seventh year? Guess how long? 490 years. So God let them go into captivity for 70 years to pay the land back what they owed the land. Look how flawless that is. Remember, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times 7. 490 times. Now, you know that, but watch what happens here when Gabriel gets super, super clear with Daniel. Go to verse 23. Look at verse 23 of Daniel 9. And Gabriel here is telling Daniel how clear this is going to be in verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I'm come to show you, you're greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. He goes here, this, here comes the flawlessness stuff here in just a second. Seventy weeks are 70 seg- segments of seven or another 490 years. You missed it for 490, God's given you guys another 490. Okay, look who it's for. Seventy segments of seven or, 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 or another 490 years are determined upon thy people, the Jews, and upon the holy city, Jerusalem. What's it for? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. He said, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince will be a certain amount of weeks. And I'm going to add them up for you just to make it easy. So here, <laughs> Gabriel goes, Okay, there's going to be a proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem and the clock's going to start. I mean, this is the most flawless verses in the Bible right here. So you remember King Artaxerxes, Nehemiah was bummed out and depressed because Jerusalem was overthrown. And, and uh, King Artaxerxes told Nehemiah, what's the deal? He goes, Jerusalem's overthrown. He goes, don't worry, I'm going to make a proclamation. Gabriel said when the proclamation goes forth, that Jesus is going to come after 483 years. Okay? He makes that proclamation. The clock starts. Well, you know, Jesus would never really say he was the Messiah. But there, remember John said, hey, go ask him if he's the one. Because John's about to get his head cut off. He said, go tell him what you see and what you hear. But there came a day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. They laid those palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh, man, don't let them say that. The, if you're, you're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't say it, the rocks would cry out. Because it was exactly 483 years from the proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem. God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the seven-year tribulation. So he takes the church off the earth and repays them those seven years that he owes them. See how flawless he is with them? He made them repay 70 years that they owed him. So he's going to give them back those years because he came after 483. The amazing flawlessness of that is crazy cool because Jesus is about to come back. Who did he say the trip was for? The Jews and for Jerusalem. It has nothing to do with the church. We so want to put that on the church, uh, but it has nothing to do with us. So look at the earth getting ready for all this pressure to be put on them, a seven-year period where, man, it's going to be fireworks, it's going to be asteroids, it's going to be... <laughs> I mean, one asteroid is called Wormwood. I remember preaching in the Ukraine years ago. I said the word Wormwood, everybody gasped. I thought, well, what's the deal with Wormwood? It's the word Chernobyl. So there's going to be an asteroid that hits that's radioactive that will make a third of the waters radioactive. So all this stuff is getting ready. Like I said last week uh, uh, there was an asteroid that came within 1,800 miles. You've got earthquakes happening all over. Guess where the most seismic activity place is on the planet? Oklahoma. 
has more earthquakes than anywhere in the world. How weird is that? I moved from California back to Oklahoma. I'm sitting there, all of a sudden my pictures started flying off the wall. I thought, what in the world's happening? I'm in an earthquake in Oklahoma. So you got the earth getting ready for it. You got the heavens getting ready for it. You got the Temple Mount Institute getting ready for it. You got the church being taught who they are in Christ to the point that they can finish off the church age in resurrection style. You got Russia in position, birds in position, fish in position. You got foxes in position up on the Temple Mount. All these different groups, every group you can name, the heavens getting ready for the entrance of the king because Jesus is about to come back. Wow. So look at how flawless he is. And then you see, now when I talk about all the rabbis right now in Israel say the Messiah is about to come, but the problem is they're getting ready to, to take the false Messiah, the Antichrist, and think that he's the Messiah. How crazy is that? That midway through the trip, he's going to go into the temple and say, I'm God. They're going to go, "Uh uh-oh, this is not the Messiah. This is the devil. Wow. So everything's getting ready for that. If you'll notice all the different changes with Islam. I mean, Islam coming to the forefront. That's the whore of Babylon, that false religious system that originated in Baghdad. What country went to Baghdad twice? George Bush the first, George Bush the second. Think about this. President 41 and 43, surrounding judgment. 42 is a number of judgment. Tribulation is 42 months. And America sent two presidents, sent two terms to go into Baghdad, the very origin of every false religion. So it's all spiritual because we're getting ready for a great change. Jesus is about to come back. I mean, you had ISIS damming up the Euphrates River because the kings of the east are going to come over on the, on the Euphrates River and it's going to be dried up. All these different things. Well, man, when I read that, I'm like, dear Lord, are you kidding me? So all these different tangible things are happening that point to Jesus is just about to come back. So, so what do we do as a Christian? We're, we're, we're all in. All, all, 100% in. Lord, what do you need me to do? Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Not just kind of like, man, it's good to be saved, but Lord, what would you have me to do? When Jesus appeared to Paul, what's the first thing Paul said? Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm sure he did the chicken and the swan. I mean, Jesus is standing there, I bet Paul did that, probably did that. But what's the first thing that came out of his mouth? Lord, what would you have me to do? So that means there's an assignment for your life. And you know, at the reward seat of Christ, you want that to be fulfilling because it's so cool. Think about how would you live? <laughs> how would you live if you thought the rapture is this week? I would assume you'd be holy. I would assume you'd be kind. Uh, could you imagine, hey, what's going on? Can you imagine being ornery, being mean right before you're going to meet Jesus? You would hope that your whole life is transformed, that you have the fruit of the Spirit, you have the gifts of the Spirit, and you have all the facets of Jesus. Why? We're about to see him. Oh, my, oh, my. I had a lady in Galveston one time. She got on to me. She goes, well, how dare you say the whole church is going up in the rapture? I said, well, you know, I, he's coming back for his body. It's not about us. We want to make it about us, but it's not. And the, Lord, the Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. He said, tell her, whose works would she rather trust in, her works or my works? Jesus purchased you 2,000 years ago, and he's all of a sudden getting ready to look over the banister of heaven and say, come up hither, come up to the throne of God, and we're going to be evacuated from the earth. And man, you're, you're looking at everything pushing toward that right now because the king's coming back. You need to talk about timing for a second, and I'm going to close with this because it's so cool. See, Gabriel, when he talked to Daniel about timing, he didn't count when Jesus was born. He counted when he rode in triumphantly into Jerusalem, 30 A.D. 2,000 years from 30 A.D. is 2030. Back away seven or eight years, you're at 2022, 2033. I'm not saying that's when the rapture is going to be, but I'm just saying you're in the season of when he's going to come back. I'd be paying attention. <laughs> you know, years ago, I'm closing with this. I, years ago, you know, was it Bruce Black always said, uh, who give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20? No, we're not going to do that. I was preaching in Colorado years ago, and I was in a camp meeting with another friend of mine, and we were having a good time, and we had a luncheon for the ministers there at the end. And a friend of mine was doing the luncheon, and I had a vision before the luncheon, and I'm coming back into the church, and I can smell the barbecue. So I wasn't thinking about spiritual things. All of a sudden, I'm in the back of this boat, and this pastor friend of mine's water skiing, man, he was slaloming really good. You know, if you're doing a slalom course, you're, you're, trying, you're cutting and reaching way out to get around the buoys, you know. I'm in the back of this boat watching this guy ski, and I'm thinking, man, he's good, you know. Next thing I know, the preacher I was with, I heard him preach what he's going to preach on before we got there. Out of Hebrews about laying aside weights and sins and things that would so easily beset us. I thought, man, the Lord's probably trying to get our attention. I went into the luncheon enjoying it. The preacher got up, that friend of mine, he started preaching out of Hebrews. I thought, oh, dear Lord, man, look at this. He's preaching just what I heard him preach before he preached it. Well, I wasn't going to do anything. I was just going to keep my mouth shut, you know. And the pastor said, well, Joe, you have something? I said, well, 
you know, I got up and said, well, you know, we all got things we may need to get out of our life. And I'm thinking of that one brother that's water skiing. Now, hang with me. Jesus wants you to water ski and be the best slalom skier on the planet. He, lo- he wants you to be the best, have so much fun water skiing, but don't put it ahead of your call. So, you know, I, well, I got up and said, we all got things we need to lay aside. And I said, let's examine our lives. In the old days, we'd come down. <laughs> and the preacher would hit you over the head, be blessed, do the will of God. Ow, okay, all right. Well, we just took that moment to just analyze our lives. What's the last thing the Lord told us to do? Let's make sure we don't miss it. I remember what the Lord said to me, he said, never apologize for your message. And so I'm kind of watching this brother that I'm sitting in the back of that boat watching him slalom ski, and he was going along with it. As soon as we're done, I made a beeline for him. Hey, have you been skiing lately? He goes, no, I've been too busy. So I thought, well, you know, I could miss it. I could miss it by a mile. He said, well, uh, you know, I'm finishing up, and I'm going over to that buddy of mine that did the preaching, you know. I said, nah, 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 I heard you preach where you're going to preach for. You preached it, you know, because he's a buddy of mine, so I'm being ornery, you know. I said, also, I had a vision. I said, I sat in the back of this boat. Remember how Elisha said, went not in my heart with you when you joined yourself to the chariot? I'm sitting in the boat watching this guy ski. And my friend goes, oh, my God. I went up to him and said, why don't you uh, come to the service tonight? He said, well, I'm going into Denver to get me a brand-new water ski. And the guy on the staff said, didn't you hear what the Lord was trying to say to us? Maybe we should lay aside some of our ski. And he goes, oh, Jesus would have to appear to me before I do that. So, see, he missed the whole purpose of it. Uh, Fifty years ago, I don't think the Lord would have gone to so much trouble. What was the trouble? First, the Word of God. Next, gifts of the Spirit. And then, thirdly, somebody on the guy's staff trying to keep him responding to what the message was. Let's make some changes. The Lord wants you to ski. He wants you to best be the best slalom skier ever. I mean, if you can do uh, 50 miles an hour or 15 feet off and do a slalom course, you can smoke it. So that's great. But you know what? If I'm sitting up here thinking about my golf swing, when I get to the reward seat of Christ, the Lord's not going to go, give me your swing, Joe. <laughs> Trust me, it needs help. But anyway, uh, if I'm thinking about that, something's out of order. So let's just do this before we go. This is fitting for rapture preparation used to we did rapture practice we jump up in the air let's do this for (laughs) rapture prep rapture prep let's bow our heads for just a minute and close our eyes and let's just examine our hearts and examine our lives and think of the last thing the lord told you to do and just consecrate and dedicate that you'll do it it doesn't have to be rocket science father we we bow before you in this season just before you return looking at all the things in the earth that are pointing to the coming of the king so we, we submit our hearts and submit our souls and our bodies. We, we, we give up weights and sins that would so easily beset us. We, we lay the distractions aside, even good things, but they're distracting. We, we lay them aside to focus on you. And, Lord, we thank you for great acceleration. We thank you for great acceleration that we'd walk in the Spirit, fulfill the ways of the Spirit, demonstrate the Spirit, uh, joy and resurrection and power and glory and miracles. We thank you for it. We thank you for this season of your goodness before we depart. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. You, know, you know, in the old days we might take a little bit more time, but I'm telling you what, it doesn't take long for the Lord to remind you what he wants you to do. And it's not complicated, not complex, super simple. But the extremeness of his goodness. Now, now listen to this. I said I was stopping. I'm almost off. What time is it? Ten, quarter till eight. Are we okay for a couple seconds? I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I was preaching in Craig, Colorado, 22 degrees below zero. I mean, it was uninhabitable, so cold. Not far from Steamboat. And I was preaching there, and I was preaching along, and it felt like somebody wanted to kill me. You know, you kind of you pick up things while you're preaching. Are people with you or not with you? I thought, man, it just feels like somebody wants to kill me. I had a word of knowledge at the end of the service that someone had gotten shot in the eye. And I have weird words of knowledge. Like at Scott Webb's church, I saw a woman fly fishing, catch the hook in her eye. Bartlesville saw a woman get poked in the eye with a fork. So I didn't think anything about it. So there's somebody here you got shot in the eye. Used to, I'd call people down and wait for them, but I was in a hurry because I'd preached so long on end times. There's so much info. I just said, well, you know, you're healed. Said, there's somebody here, though. I waited for a minute so you're shot in the eye and no one ever came down. I called some other things out and actually forgot about it. Got back to the hotel. Colleen and I went back to the hotel. And uh, that afternoon, I went down for some coffee in the lobby. This guy comes walking in. He goes, hey, I was coming to the service tonight to kill you. I said, could I get you some coffee? <laughs> you take cream and sugar? He goes, no, no, I'm the guy that got shot in the eye. He goes, I was coming to kill you. He said, but you know what? This afternoon, this heat came down on my head. I got my sight back in my eye, and I called on the name of the Lord. So the Lord's so extreme, he'll take someone wanting to kill you, and he'll heal them and save them right there. I had a lady in Concord, New Hampshire, she said, do you remember me? She walked up to me in Boston last year. She goes, you remember me? You called out fingernails. I said, no, I don't remember. She said, 25 years ago, you called out people have damage in their fingernails. I said, don't remember. I was in 
Tom Peets' church up in New Hampshire. She said a bunch of people came down. I said, don't remember, about 12 people. And I said, well, none of you are the ones I want. You know how you'll know who that word of knowledge is for. I said, but I'll pray for you all in faith, and we can get all the same results in faith. And this lady goes, I had no fingernail on my ring finger here on my left hand, but I was afraid to come down because this was all new to me. (laughs) You know how it is when people come in, it's kind of crazy new. She goes, man, I freaked out. I couldn't go down. So two days later, she said, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't go down. I'll take that fingernail. Right then, her fingernail grew in on her hand. That night, her boyfriend asked her to marry her and put a ring on her finger. She's pastoring a church in Lyconia, New Hampshire now. So he's just good. Preparation for the rapture, getting your heart ready, uh, laying aside everything, and preparation for what your duty is, is radical goodness. Take, Take the limit off of how crazy good he is. Your neighbor needs Jesus. Your co-workers need Jesus. Let's display his kindness and his mercy and his goodness to them and watch the Holy Ghost give you stuff. That's why we're here on the planet to do all this just before we're called up. Let's thank him, then we'll go. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for days of great change, grace of great change. Thank you for radical days of change, radical days of the glory of God. Lord, we honor you. We magnify you. We bless your holy name. We, We lift your name up, Jesus. Be glorified, magnified in all the earth. The entrance of the king, the ancient of days. (laughs) Hallelujah. The firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. We bless you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We honor you. We honor you, Jesus. Someone has has symptoms of whiplash. Your neck's being healed. This other one is uh, the tube in your ear. Your station tube. You know, you think it'd be a kid, but really it's a grown-up. Some kind of damage in that tube in your ear. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing their, their tube in their ear. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Someone, you got damage in your skin. Uh, uh, Lord, thank you. They're redeemed from the curse of the law. I command their skin to be healed. Another one, the lining in your lungs. You got, you got the lining in your lungs got damaged from something. Uh, uh, Lord, thank you for new lungs for that person, new lining in their lungs. Thank you for that, Lord. That's so kind of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I bless you and I magnify you, glorify you. Praise God. Someone's ankle's being healed. Thank you, Father, for their ankle being restored. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, he's just good. I was in a service in California. I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their calf. I said, it looks like varicose veins, but it's not varicose veins. It's like someone hit you with a tube before. This man yelled out over here, damn, he cussed. He goes, that's me. He got hit by two before in the back of his leg. He was so freaked out that the Lord would call it out. He cussed in church. There were some golfers there that had never been in a Holy Ghost church, and they're like, what in the world's going on? This guy cusses and gets healed. So, I mean, just be ready for anything. (laughs) I know this, out of all the things, it's such a treat to be with you and sense your urgency and the power of the word going forth from this church. It produces such stability and such strength. There's such a strength in you, such a grace on your life for the last days. Blaze a trail right here before we go. There's a reason why we've heard so much word, and that's to finish this thing off in his style. So I'm excited for you. I, I can't wait to hear the helicopter pad, and, and maybe you guys uh, uh, you know, think of Pastor Edwin coming in like Batman, swinging in from the back as they bring him in from the helicopter, cut a hole in the roof, and then you got people coming in by conveyor, line them up, have, lay hands on them. You, you do a new member's class, you, do, you take the service from 7 to 9, you take it 9 to 11, you take it 11 to 1. I think just before the rapture, we're going to have church 24 hours a day. So wonderful, radical things are coming, so don't be weary in well-doing. You know, I didn't say that like, da 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 That's a huge deal right there. Don't be weary in well-doing. Amen. Thank you for having me come. What a treat to be with you. Sure appreciate your pastors having me come. Great days ahead. Great days ahead. You know, and you, you think I'm killing time. I'm trying to make sure I don't miss a miracle. Brandon, Florida. I, mean, I was talking about Bill McDonald. You were talking about uh, Tampa. I had a word of knowledge, fingernails. I said, Lord, my fingernails are fine. He said, not you. Call it out. I said, fingernails. This woman starts screaming. She came down. She had no fingernails. Brandon, uh, Florida. Bill McDonald's the pastor's name right by Tampa. I watched the woman get pearl nails come up on her fingers and got nails right there in front of the whole church. Now, see, our group hasn't seen the stuff that we saw from the 50s, but God wants to do radical things in our, in our midst. 
Thank you for coming tonight. Wonderful things ahead. Someone, you got a restriction around your throat. It's like you're choking all the time. You'll never have that again. Mark it down in your book. Your, your throat's healed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Let's thank him one more time. I don't want to miss something. We'll go. Father, thank you. We bless you and magnify you. Lord, you're so good. You're so kind. We're so excited about the rapture of the church, Lord. We bless you. We magnify you. We honor you. We glorify you. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We magnify you. King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. Look forward to seeing you again. Have a great fall season. Amen. We'll get through 2020. We're going to be blessed. So soon. If I don't see you, I'll see you up in the air. Because Jesus is coming very soon. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.